Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh man, thank you for being here this morning. It is almost fall, so I just thought that you would like to see what fall apparel looks like. Oh, that was nice. Mel, you did a good job picking up my shirt. I've got a lot of compliments on it, and I wish I could say that it was all me, but you guys know it's all her. It's definitely all Mel. Oh, man. Well, thank you for for deciding to show up today. Um, We're in a series called You Are More where we've been talking about um, who we are and believing that we are more than than what we think and even what we've been told. And and I'm excited to get to talk to you this morning about uh, this incredible story in the Bible. But before we get there, I want to tell you about a time we went to California with some friends of ours. And uh, we were hitting up Starbucks before our day began, and, and we go up, and we order our drinks, and, and we, we go, you know, and you start waiting. And, and I don't know about you, but when Starbucks is busy, you start paying attention to who's in front of you and who's right behind you, right? Because I may not know their name, but if they grab their stuff before I grab mine, we might have issues. But you pay attention, right? So, so you're listening. So we're, we're standing over to the side kind of talking and and we hear different names being called, and people are getting their drinks, and our name's not being called. And, and so then we, we hear a name being called out, and no one's moving, so we're just kind of looking. They call out another name, and the people that were behind us, they get their stuff. I'm like, all right, they got one more person, and then we just need to check and see what's going on with this order. So then, again, they yell out another name, and instead of just yelling out the name, then they say what the order is. And we look at each other and we're like, hey, that's, that's our order. So, so we grab it and we're laughing as we go to sit down because my friend ordered all of, uh, he said his name for all of the drinks. And the reason why we had no idea that they were calling our name is as we sat down, we took this picture and, and his name is actually Don, not Dawn. And so they were calling Dawn the entire time, D-A-W-N. And what's really funny about this picture is this began what has been a couple of years worth of Starbucks continuing to get his name wrong. So now when they ask his name, he spells it for, I know, right? How do you get this guy right here? How do you get Dawn? from that, but we call him that every now and then we'll secretly order it as Don just so he gets it on his cup. But it's so funny because we're sitting there like, what did they call you? And we're looking at the cup and there's probably about four or five pictures on my phone where this is, uh, these cups are with him in the background. And so some of us, we, we know what it's like to be called the wrong name. Um, some of you have been gifted with extremely unique and difficult names. And so you get it, you're like, (laughs) Gall just raised his hand like, yep. And so you've become accustomed to someone getting your name wrong and you answering to it. Man, they tried. They, they really tried. So we'll, we'll go with that. We'll, we'll give them, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt. You were close. Sometimes we correct them. Some, sometimes we don't. I remember when we first met Lindsay and, and we would talk and, and I was like, what's your name? Lindsay. All right, so Lindsay, right? No, 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 it's Lindsay. 
no, it's not. Like, it's Lindsay. No, it's Lindsay. And so now I struggle meeting people named Lindsay. I always call them Lindsay because I've just learned her name. And so there are times I've seen you where people have called you the wrong name and you just rolled with it. You just, you move on with it. You, hey, thanks. And then, so we have that sometimes. And then there are other times where your neighbor, maybe you met them a couple of times at some gatherings and for some reason, they think your name is Steve, but your name is not Steve. But every time they see you when they drive into the neighborhood, hey, Steve, you wave. <laughs> and at first it was funny, right? Babe, he doesn't know my name. He called me Steve. But now you've lived there for five years. And he doesn't have any idea what your real name is. And now you're past the point where you feel like you can correct them. So you will always be Steve. And so we have those kind of moments where, where we answer to the wrong name. And, and I wonder if there may be some other times where we've answered to the wrong name. So what name are you answering to? What name do people say to you, about you, around you, and you respond to it? It may not be your name. It may be wrong, but they've said it for so long to you. They've called you this name, this attribute, this adjective for so long that you've believed what they've said. And you answer to it over and over again. And, and now as we talk about being more, you're, you're in this battle of, of wanting to be more and who God says you are. But I struggle with answering to the wrong name. Well, what they've been calling me what they've said about me and who I've been. Like, I'm more familiar with that person than this person, and we wrestle back and forth with that. The problem is that when we answer to the wrong name, we have the potential of living from the wrong mentality. When you answer to the wrong name, there's a good chance that you will live from the wrong mentality. Just think about this. Some of you who have histories of being in trouble... Some of you might have nicknames from those days when you were in trouble. And if someone meets you right now that knew you 10 years ago and they called you by this name, you immediately click into that person. You walk a little bit different. You might begin to think a little bit different, respond a little bit, because when we answer to the wrong name, it has the potential of making us live from the wrong mentality. And as we think about this, I'm, I'm so glad as I was preparing this week, that God knew that this would be a struggle for some of us and all of us at different times, some of us right in this moment and all of us at some point in our lives, we would struggle here. And, and God knew that, and, and I love that he knew that because he knew that the enemy would be messing with us. He knew that the enemy would call us the wrong name on purpose, trying to keep us trapped in who we've been. He knew that the enemy would, would call us multiple names so that we would let go of what God and who God has told us that we really are. If he gives me so many different, well, maybe what God is, is saying about me isn't true. If I continue to hear these other names being called at me all the time, well, maybe I can just let go. But I want to remind you, the enemy's only doing that because if you truly believe and live out who you have been created to be and who God knows you to be, that that is a threat to his kingdom. 
And he will do anything to keep you from walking in those shoes. He doesn't want you to walk that path. He doesn't want you to believe what God is saying. And so in order to keep you from believing it, he will keep throwing things at you over and over again. But he's not the only one that that we struggle with. See, God knew ahead of time that people would be people. And sometimes we are the people and other times other people are the people to us. And what do I mean by that? You know, people have said things to you, things that have wounded you. Some of those wounds have turned to scars, but some of them are still fresh. Some of you have been told the same thing over and over and over again. And even when you try to do the right thing to live who God says that you are, you're tempted to believe what they said because they said it for so long. They said it so convincingly, and for so long, that's who you thought that you were. He knew that people would hurt us by the things that they've called us and said to us. He knew that there would be holes left in our hearts by broken relationships. He knew that other times we, we would be the people. That in our own minds, we would struggle with who we are. That in our own decisions and choices that we made, we, we feel shame. We, we beat ourselves up over the mistakes that we've made, the choices that we knew we shouldn't have made, but we made anyways. And he knew that sometimes our own voice, our own voice in our own minds would tell us and call us the wrong names. So God knew all of that. And in that knowledge, he made a way for us to hear his voice. He made a way so that what he knew about us, we would be able to access. He wrote us this letter so that at any time we could pick it up and discover who we are. Not to just read the words, but to feel those words. Some of you older people, before texting and emailing was a thing, some of you know that the way that you expressed the way you felt to other people was to grab a pen and a piece of paper and write a love letter. And some of you still have those love letters. Now, if they're not from your current spouse, throw those love letters in the trash. <laughs> There's no reason for you to hold on to that. But some of you had those letters. And this is what I feel like. God has intended for us, when we open up this book that he's written to us, these letters that he's written to us, that we don't just read them, but we would feel what he wrote about us. That we would take them out and we would read it slowly. And then we would just hold it close to us as we read it. And this is what he says about me. Man, let me just take that in. And then other times that we would read it out loud. Not, not just for fun, but so that we could envision as if God was standing in front of us and he was saying these words to us. We close our eyes and say these words over and over again so that we can hear him say those to us. And then we read those words over and over and over so that we can draw confidence from them. So that in times that we struggle with how we feel about ourselves or what other people are calling us, we can go back to that letter and read exactly what God said over and over and over again so that we can know 
not think, but know exactly what he thinks about you, exactly how he feels about you, exactly who you are. And today my message is titled, what did you call me? See, some of us have that response in different scenarios, but oftentimes we have that response when God calls us by a name that we're not used to hearing. What did, what did you call me, God? That's our response sometimes when he tells us who we are. But I want to encourage you this morning that what he sees and says may be different than anything anyone has ever said or even something that you struggle to believe, but that doesn't make it untrue. What'd you call me? Just take it in this morning. Just allow him to call you the name that he knows you by, the name that maybe no one else has ever said to you before, or maybe the word that no one has ever called you and truly meant it. Today we're going to jump into one of my favorite stories in Scripture so that we can see how God knows us better because he created us. And he, he didn't just create us with potential. He created us with purpose. He knows it's there. He can get us right to it if we let him. So let's pray this morning as we jump into God's word. Lord, we, we thank you for speaking to us this morning. Lord, we've spent time in your presence. And as we worship, Lord, your, your presence was here and it was moving and on our behalf. And so, Lord, we expect as we look into your word this morning together that you would continue to do that. Speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. We open ourselves up to what you would say to us. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people, that you would help me to do it clearly and confidently. And Lord, in such a way that they hear your voice more than they hear mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to Mark's gospel, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. Mark is one of my favorite Gospels to read. John is, is really nice. Like you hear, uh, you, you read about the miracles that Jesus did. He wants you to know that he's God's son. Mark wants you to know Jesus was about that life. Like once he gets into being the son of God, like there is no doubt when Mark writes about what Jesus did, what he said, you hear a lot of immediately's and suddenly, like I like the power that Mark wrote his gospel with. And, and so we're, we're going to jump into a story that we see in three different gospels, but Mark is my favorite right now. So we're going to jump right in here, starting at verse 13. Said, then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, or Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he followed him. And as we get into this beginning of this story, this interaction, we just see Jesus being Jesus. It's one of my favorite things about him. It's, it's why I love watching The Chosen, because you see Jesus um, talking to crowds, moving with crowds, lots of people, and then he sees a person, and he interacts with them. Not oftentimes, like, moved off to the side, like, oh, I waited until I could get you alone, but no, no, no. Like, he sees all of us in this room, and yet he sees the one person he needs to have a conversation with. And that's one of the things that I love about him. As he's moving with the crowd, he sees Matthew at his tax collector's booth. And then he begins to talk to him, which is a big deal. 
Now, we hear about tax collectors. When we get to this part in Scripture, sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect as we read. Because when you think about tax collectors, like I would imagine most of us are thinking about the IRS and no one likes to pay taxes, if we're all honest, and no one really likes the IRS. And if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. And you know it's the truth because when people ask what you do, you say you work for the government. You say you don't work for the IRS because you know you would have no friends. <laughs> so we already have like this uh, tax collectors, tax people, but it was worse in Jesus' day. This is why this interaction is, is so special and strange at the same time because in Jesus' day, like the guy who would have been this tax collector would have been an outcast to the rest of society. Matthew, when he chose to become a tax collector, the first thing that he would have did was compromise his character. Because how you get to be tax collector is you would let the Roman people know, like, hey, um, I think at this particular spot I can collect $100 a day in taxes. Oh, that's great. Do that. There's your quota. So what Matthew would be able to do is as long as he hits his quota, any other money that he gets after the $100 each day goes right into his pockets. So he was extorting money from his people. Uh, Mike might come in, he'd be like, man, you owe me $10. And then uh, Jim would come in, and he's like, man, you owe me $20. And you could vary it from person to person. No one could say anything about it. You just need to get your money. So number one, we got character issues right here from the jump. And then as Matthew would decide to do this, he had to walk away from everything. This wasn't just an ordinary job. He would be treated as a traitor by everyone else. There would be a part of him that would no longer be Jewish because he was going to be a tax collector. He was going to take from his own people and give that money to their conquerors. He'd be treated differently. He would no longer be allowed to go to the synagogue. He would be considered unclean by those around him. And probably there would be people that would talk about him as if he was an outcast in his own family. They would talk about him like he was a disgrace. And maybe there were even people in his family that called him a disgrace. And there would have been a lot of names that people would have said to Matthew. Probably not to his face, but behind his back for sure. People would call him a collaborator, a loan shark, unclean, evil, a sinner, a traitor, a crook, a thief. And probably other names that we can't mention here that Matthew was called. See, in this instance, Matthew was just as much of an outcast as a leper would have been in Jesus' day. You wouldn't have been around a tax collector. You wouldn't have associated with them. You would have kept your, difference from, your distance from them just like people did with lepers. And this is what makes Jesus different. Because a chapter before this, we see Jesus heal a leper that he meets. And he doesn't just say the words that the leper would be healed. He doesn't tell the leper to go take a bath and then you'll be clean. He doesn't grab a bunch of dust and, and fling it up in the air. And when the dust hits him, like the leprosy falls out. No, no, no. What's he do? He does what no one else was willing to do. He touches the leper. And when he meets Matthew, the tax collector, the crook, the liar, the thief, all of these things, no one wants to be seen with this guy, let alone seen talking to him. And Jesus does what no one else does. He has a conversation. And in that conversation, he does something that no one, no, I promise you, no one ever, ever thought that this is what Jesus would do. He picks him. He asks him to follow him. 
he sees Matthew, and then he calls him chosen. He says, Matthew, I, I see you right where you are, and, and I want you to be my disciple. And we read this in Scripture, and we think, yeah, that's kind of what Jesus does. Like, he just invites people to follow him. But that's not how things worked. If you wanted to follow a rabbi, it was your job as the student to find the rabbi you wanted to follow and then apply to follow them, to be their disciple. You would let them know. You would send them your credentials. You would interview. There would be applications. You'd have to send resumes and all of these different things. And then if they thought that you were good enough, then they might just let you follow. But Jesus chooses him. Jesus picks him. It's completely backwards. And Jesus here was telling Matthew that he was more. He was more than his choices, more than his betrayal, more than his greed, more than other people had ever told him. He was chosen. Matthew, come and be my disciple. Come and be like me. Others may not see you. Others may see all these other names, but I see my disciple. Come and follow me. See, there are times in our own lives when we may feel just like Matthew did, where we feel like an afterthought or our mistakes. We feel like where we are is all that we deserve. We can never hope for anything else, but Jesus will call us chosen. It's on purpose every time. When he calls your name, when he asks you to follow him, when he chooses you to be a disciple, it's not by accident. First Thessalonians tells us that we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. He's picking you. If this were a game right now and he gets first pick, he picks you. Every single time. There's no doubt in his mind that he's picking you. He's choosing you before. Before you say yes before you can right all of the wrongs in your lives, but before you get everything together, before you stop sinning, before all of it, he's choosing you. You are chosen. What, what, what did he call you? He called you chosen. He called you his disciple. He called you, you to be part of his family, you to be his followers, you to be the one who shows the world who he is. You know, Matthew probably had no idea at the time that he responded to Jesus that not only would he follow him, not only would he be called chosen, but later they would call him author as he pens one of the first gospels. And as he pens this gospel, he shows us who Jesus is, who God is, and lets us know that we too can be chosen just like he was. But that's not all he included in the gospel. Let's keep reading later. Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Matthew is so excited. Somebody sees him, talks to him, invites him to be on their team. And so what's he do? He throws a party. 
Why would he throw a party? Because he wants people to meet the same guy that said to him something that no one else did. He wanted them to maybe have the chance to meet this guy who was different than everybody else. He wanted them to celebrate with him as he begins this new adventure of being a disciple. And who does he have to invite to the party? People just like him. The people that would be seen with him. The people that would interact with him. And we discover here in, this, in these couple of verses that not only does he call us chosen, but he calls us friend. You see, in Jesus' day, you didn't just go over to somebody's house and share a meal. You, you didn't just break bread with them. You didn't just say, hey, let's meet up at Longhorn and we'll have a steak. Or, or let's go to your favorite Mexican restaurant and just eat all the chips and salsa we can possibly eat. And then order one taco and get out of there for like two bucks. It wasn't just eating. You see, in Jesus' day, when you would go and you would be a guest at someone's feast, their party like this, you would show up, and if you ate the meal and then you began to recline at the table, you can hang out a little bit more. And, and they didn't have tables like you and I. They would start leaning on each other. And some of us are like, nope, they're in my bubble. I'm not down for that. I'm glad I was born here. Jesus knew, right? He put you in the right time. But they would be reclining and leaning and talking and sharing different things because you weren't just sharing meals. You were willing to share your life. So Jesus was willing to go to this party. He was willing to identify with the people that were there. Him showing up and being the honored guest is saying, hey, these are my people. These are the people that I care about, the ones that I want to spend my time with. I'm identifying with them. And the thing about it is good Jews in Jesus' day were very, very careful about their personal associations. And so was Jesus. Because their associations revealed their agendas. And so by Jesus showing up, he heard what other people's agenda were. The religious people called them, them, unclean, sinners, the worst, the scum. They were a waste of time, but yet Jesus calls them his friends. These are the people that I need to be with and that I want to be with. And so I want to remind you that in the moments that you may feel like no one gets you, that you're all alone, that you've been abandoned, or maybe no one gets you or wants to get you, you feel like you have no one and nothing, or, or maybe you're comparing yourself to those around you and, and everyone else seems to have it all together. They seem to be shining brighter than you are and you feel like no one sees you. Can I tell you this morning that those feelings of inadequacy and inferiority. They're not coming from God because he's your friend. He's your people. He wants you to know that you are his and you matter. And even though other people may only see your past, Jesus isn't like that. He sees you for more. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. And that matters because some of us have family that we love Don't laugh too loud. Some of them are sitting by you. I'm just playing. You probably only see them at family reunions and holidays. Right? We tolerate. Man, I love them, but that's not how Jesus responds to us. I love them and I like them. I love them and I would spend time with them. I love them and I'm on their side. I'm in their corner. I've got your back. When other people were saying to Jesus that they're not worth much, that we're not worth much, he lets them know right then that we are worth 
everything. That he's willing to give everything he has, even his life for us, his friends. Greater love has none than this that a man would die for his friends. Jesus didn't just say it, he showed it. He called us and then he fulfilled it. He lived it out in front of us. And he's not worried about the mess that we may be in. He's not worried about the stuff that we were hoping that he doesn't see. He's not worried about any of that. He's fine getting dirty to get down in the middle of where you are because that's what friends do. Then it says, when Jesus heard them talking, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. This is another one of my favorite things that Jesus does, unless he's talking to me. I mean, he gets with people. I don't like it when he does it with me. I enjoy it when he does it to other people, right? But he lets them know. And I've heard enough. You don't think they're worth anything. He unveils the whole reason he came in this sentence to people who didn't care about who he came for. He tells them and us that he came for people just like us. He came for those that that had been abandoned and left out and overlooked and, and not been considered and forgotten So when you feel like you're stuck, like like there's no hope for you digging out of where you're at right now or moving forward or becoming more than what you've ever been, I'm telling you this morning that you are more, you are more. In fact, Jesus would call you brand new. He wouldn't look at you and call you by the name that you were. He would look at you and call you a brand new person. One of my favorite verses in all of scriptures tells us that when we give our lives to Jesus, a new path in a new direction with a new destination is in front of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We are not who we were. We are not our sins. We are not our addictions. We are not our relationships. We are not our old mentalities. We are not the chains that used to hold us. We have a brand new way of living with Jesus. We are new people living new lives if we trust him. And I want to tell you this morning that if people tell you that they don't recognize you anymore. Stop saying sorry and start saying thank you. So you're apologizing for living free. You're apologizing for giving your life to Jesus. You're apologizing for being the new person that he made you. Stop apologizing and start saying thank you. Because others may not get it. They may doubt you. They, they may try to call you names that, that you were, but they don't understand you're not that. Don't let them put you back in the chains that Jesus just freed you from. Realize that as he calls you brand new, that he wants to do something new in you and through you. So what, what did he call you again? He called you brand new. Brand new. All of the things before him, they're gone. There's something new ahead that he's giving us. As we look at this story, as as we get to this part where Jesus says, I I didn't come to call people that that think that they're righteous, but people who know they're not. People who know that, that they're stuck in sin. I'm here for them. That this all, we all get to this part all because as he was walking along, talking with people, 
he saw a person. He saw Matthew at his tax collector's booth. He saw one man, someone that he had created, someone that he had plans for. He saw Matthew, and I wonder if Jesus thought back to forming Matthew. I wonder if as he looked at Matthew, he saw all of his timeline, all of the things that he did, all of the stuff that he, the mistakes that he had made, but then he saw who he could be, who he was destined to be, who he would be as he chose to follow Jesus. He saw Matthew. He saw his son that he loved. You see, others may have, have called us unlovable, They may have called us unfixable, broken, and unworthy. We may even have called ourselves these things, but we are more. We are more than what others have said about us. We are more than what we've believed about ourselves because Jesus has called us chosen. He's called us his friend. He's called us brand new. But all of that is because of another name that he calls us. He calls us love. His love for you, it knows no limits. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. It always has been. His love is there in the middle of all that we've been doing. While we were still in our bad choices, making them. While we were running from God, running in our sins, stiff-arming God. All of those things, God was still choosing to run to us. His love for us compelled him to move. Nothing that you've done, nothing that you've ever done has made God love you any less. There wasn't a time that his love thought it should shrink back away from you. There wasn't a time that he gave up. There wasn't a time that he didn't have hope He's always loved us. For some of you, you need to hear that God loved you then. He loved you way back then. He loves you now. and He's going to love you tomorrow and the next day. And he will keep on loving you. The love that he has for us isn't a love that only comes through some of the time. It's a love that went all of the way for us. It is a love that showed up as Jesus gave his life so that we could have life. See, he loved us so much that he gave his life to take care of the price of sin while giving us the benefits of his grace. gave all that he had to give us a new name. Others may have called you other names. You may have answered to them before. But what did Jesus call you? What did he call you? He called you loved and chosen and friend and brand new. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to hear what he's calling you again. He's calling you loved and chosen.
He's calling you his friend and brand new. Now imagine what tomorrow looks like when you begin to answer to these names. When you begin to live like these names are true, your life can change today. Purpose can change today. You can have what you thought was outside of your grasp, what you thought you would never have. Things can be different. Your family can be different. Your marriage can be different. Your relationship with your kids can be different. Friends, their lives can be different. If you choose today to answer to the names that Jesus is calling you, will you respond to his love for you this morning? Will you respond to him calling you a name? Even if you've never heard that name before, would you believe that if you give your life to him, that that's who you actually are? Would you come home? Would you realize that you've always had a home, always had family? Jesus has just been waiting for you to respond as he calls your name. Today you say, PK, that's, that's me. I, I need... I need that name that Jesus is calling me. I need to give my life to him. I need to be brand new. If that's you this morning, would, would you just make eye contact with me and raise your hand and say, today, that's me. I'm going to accept that. Yeah, who else? Today, that's me. That's me. Would everyone stand with me this morning? And as we do that, there's some people that are going to begin to move, that are going to pray with people this morning. And I just, I just want to ask you once again, if you said, yeah, man, that, that's me. I need to respond to Jesus this morning. I need to respond to his love. I need, I need that new name. I'm just going to ask you to walk away from who you've been and step into who you are this morning. Would you just meet me down here in the front and, and one of our people here will pray with you this morning. Come on, put your hands together as people are responding to Jesus this morning. Who else? Who else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you thought about it. Maybe right now you're like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but today is the day that you respond. Today is the day that everything can change. Is there anyone else? Who else do you need? You need what Jesus is offering. You need a new path in front of you. You need new hope, new life. Yeah, we've got somebody else. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, more people choosing to follow Jesus. anyone else we're just going to wait a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds is there anyone else today don't listen to the names that other people have been calling you of what you thought listen to what God is saying come home so for the rest of us 
What name have you been answering to? What mentality have you been living your life from? This morning, maybe you need to to respond to what God has been saying to you. That you've been answering to some names that you know you're not anymore. You need to step into the names that God is calling you this morning. You need to spend some time when the worship team starts singing. You need to spend some time here at the altar. You need to respond. You need to move and physically respond to what God is doing. And maybe that's you. Maybe you haven't believed that you're chosen, but today, man, it's, it's overwhelming. You hear that word just being called over and over again, or you hear that you're loved, that you're God's friend, that you're brand new, whatever it is, respond as God is talking to you. Or, or maybe you need to respond to one of God's names. Maybe this morning you need to find some time with the healer. You need to find some time with the provider. You need to find some time and and spend a moment with the Prince of Peace. You need to find comfort from him this morning. You need something from him. That's okay too. The altars are gonna be open. Find a place for you and God to meet. Respond to what God is saying to you this morning. prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.